if the beer styles that we're making now have those nasties in, are we in the post-craft world? You know, should there be a discussion around, should we be doing them? Do we have to revise what the definition of craft is? Or if we have to do these things that we said were bad to put in, should we be doing them at all? Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are our proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, which is our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News and host of the Royal Queensland Food and Wine Show Beer Awards Presentation Ceremony, Matt Kierkegaard and Claire Burnett. <laughs> Morning, Pete. G'day, guys. Thanks, Pete. That sounds much more august than the inquisitive badger that you were. Uh, That's what we got oh, earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the yeah, listeners wondering. And, and, and I'm guessing you often do. Um, <laughs> I'm just assuming that's the case. Yeah, we logged on this morning and, and hang on, there's an extra user in our um, in our chat thing here. It's uh, Who's show Anonymous notes. Jackal? Yeah. Who's Anonymous Jackal in the show notes? And it turns out it was assigned to Matt. <laughs> to which I said, I, I yeah. And if you thought if you're going to assign anything, it would be the Inquisitive Wombat, not the... Inquisitive yeah. Badger. Badger, sorry. Wombat. Oh, Wombat. Yeah, well, although Badger's really, it's kind of, you know, sort of um, continental Europe, isn't it? Or, yes. or English badges yeah. are sort of, yeah. yeah. yeah so maybe an inquisitive wombat might be better. Yeah. Although you have been described as a, a great long streak of pelican shit, so maybe the, the inquisitive pelican. <laughs> because you've got that neck, that, that, you know, and you scoop out the story, so maybe we should have gone with it. Anyway, Thanks, how are mate. we? As if I wasn't anxious enough as it was. Congratulations to um, all for the, um, the Queensland Beer Awards. Yes, Pete. Um, mate, look, very well. It's it's the third year since it re it's reemerged. Um, you know, I, I've sort of been working. Uh, well, the, the RNA has been working, um, and I've been aware of them working um, for over a decade to try and sort of create a meaningful award. You know, like a, a meaningful awards. Um, that competition yeah yeah um and, and you know because every state's got one you know there's a lot of competition for brewers to to enter um and looking at a way that the queensland awards aren't just another you know awards or you know very localized um yeah and so they, they really launched it three years ago and it, and it was huge i think uh 475 485 um entries 70 odd breweries um which is a you know good number so it's a good pool of um, competition uh, and know. an increase on the um, uh, the interstate breweries this year, which was good to see. Increase on interstate, mm. increase on awards uh, overall, and you know, mate, as I keep coming back to awards for awards' sake, um, are nice. Um, you know, they're something that brewers can enter, get some benchmarking. You know, particularly local brewers can enter these awards. Particularly, really step out of the normal though, because. The point of difference that the RNA is, the Queensland RNA is really trying to do is make these awards, you know, have industry outcomes. And, you know, there, there was the first year that their emerging brewer, where, you know, a business nominates a brewer who's been actively brewing for less than three years professionally. Um, and then they go through an interview process and 
this was the first year that that was done. And the winning brewery, whilst the you know the, the the brewer, and I won't say young because a lot of the brewers are actual that were nominated were actually mature people who had been nominated. You know, after only three years, they'd made career changes. But it it it, it did happen to be a young brewer from Burley, and Burley picks up a tap across right across the um, Brisbane Casino. Yeah, at multiple venues. Multiple venues, which, you know... Within the casino, yeah. Potentially is, is, is a huge commercial outcome for the brewery. Um, there's also a bursary uh, sponsored by Lion for $5,000 um, that the brewer can use, you know, for training, development, um, you know, cash Education, bursary. yeah. Um, but then, you know, even as we were going through the awards, one of the sponsors who runs a new hotel in Brisbane and had put up all of the judges um, had sort of said, look, you know... I'm, I've sponsored this category. The beer that wins this category is going to get a 12-month tap in my hotel. Okay. That, that was awesome. just off the bat. Was just it? off the bat. Yeah, that's yeah. Really cool. Um, so I asked to speak, um, announced it, and, you know, so uh, – and I think that one went to Black Hops for their Code Red IPA. So, you know, in terms of entering awards that don't just give you a trophy, um, you know, uh, that you can sort of put, you know, in, in, in the, the wall of achievement um, or in the, in the pool room in your brewery, um, it actually gets your beer out. Yeah, for, for tangible yeah. benefits to yeah. it, which is awesome. And touch wood too that the uh, the ECA, the Royal Queensland Show, gets to go ahead this year in whatever the new normal looks like. And then um, there's also opportunities, obviously, through our own Crappie Rally, but also through um, other points, hopefully throughout the ECA, through the showgrounds, where, where, where some of these award-winning beers can be showcased. They're bringing back Kingdom of Beers in April, I think. Um, and, yeah, the, the ECA was announced this week, so Pete, uh, lock in 11 days in August. All right. Well, eleven. I'll have to. Yeah, it'll have to be twenty-one days, won't it? Because I'll have to uh, isolate for fourteen before. No, you won't. Nah. No. Nah, no we're, right. we're allowed out. We're allowed in now, are we? <laughs> Probably by for now. now. now and, and, for and, now. You know, just we'll, go get we'll yourself talk vaccinated. About it. Yeah, the Queenslanders yeah, yeah. all get together and discuss. Yeah, but anyway, look, I'm sure we'll um, plenty plenty to talk about uh, and a bit of new, quite a bit of news to yes. get through. So what we might do is cross live now to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of the stories making news this week in beer. And Claire, I don't know about you, but I got to love me a nice pineapple nitro milkshake beer to quench a hard-earned <laughs> thirst on a hot summer's day. Do you now, sir? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a major change for you there, Peter. Um, no, so pff, this is another sad one. We obviously had Prancing Pony last week. Bright Brewery has announced that an immediate product recall of their Pineapple Dream Nitro Milkshake Ale cans. Uh, so this is, unlike pr- the Prancing Pony one, this was nationwide. They went out to pretty many, much all states, territories, I think except the Northern Territory. Um, another case of um, continued fermentation an increase in ABV, and it hit the news like crazy. I don't know if you guys saw it on ABC and like all the main news outlets really jumped on this one. And I've not actually seen that to that extent before, so I was quite surprised. Um, I actually spoke to Bright the, on the day that it happened, and they were to obviously devastated, terrible thing to have happened. They did say that it was um, c- kind of directly as a result of them experimenting a little bit further with more, well... Well, more bizarre beers uh, than they had done in the past. Experimental, boundary pushing, Experimental, yes, yeah. that's the one. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like that was just 
not an inevitable thing, but when it happens, it's because of something that you're trying that you haven't tried before, or you're adding ingredients that you might potentially haven't worked with before, and it can get a little bit dicey afterwards. Uh, and they did say, interestingly, that while they don't pasteurize now, um, it might be a consideration in future for beers like this that could potentially um, have result in a product recall. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, sad times all around, really, on that one. Yeah, and you know, like, you know, we obviously talked about it a couple of weeks ago before it happened here um, with this style of beer, um, you know, flagged it. And as I said in the comments, you know, you know, I would much rather talk about it in the abstract or about a international brewer um, or brewery than you know here because you know, like, you you don't want to be reveling in the sort of um, difficulties that uh, and you're, you're rubbing in or making large, you know, the difficulties that you know a fabulous local brewer is is making, and you know, so you know, with regard to that discussion around whether we should be talking about it at all, um, that was one of the things. But you know, going back to the the, the point that I made um, then about some of these beers, and you know, as, as Claire said, big news on all of the networks and. The concerning thing isn't that there was a recall, but the concerning thing was, you know, I think News Limited, that their headline was beer recalled over explosion fears, um, which is, you know, for, for yeah, a mature they really industry... really went wild on that, yeah. You know, it, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. You know, it's not a good way to be, to be you know, bringing yes. that tide in. Um, and looking at the Queensland Health, you know, which posted it as a food recall... Yeah, it's just some of the comments. Finally, and, and these are people that obviously aren't in craft beer, um, but are commenting on it. Finally, the government uh, steps in to stop this rubbish reaching the public. Um, is is it recalled? Because who would drink that? I can feel it fermenting in my stomach just looking at it. Oh. I thought it was a pineapple milkshake in a can until I read it's a beer, which might be something that um, yeah, fair um, and air. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the, the usual, your beer has too much alcohol in it. Oh yes, let me return that. So you, you know, there's a f- that, yeah, that should be that said that in on the, the blog all voice. the beer threads. Everyone was like, "Oh, we don't care if there's more ABV." Yeah, <laughs> can't somebody know. I kind of feel that if someone chooses to drink something with the words "pineapple dream," "nitro milkshake," and "ale" in one title, they already have an understanding that it won't end well. <laughs> you know, and you know, you know I, I get a bit. You know, Pete, you, I think you and I both get a bit of stick for our comments about this um, adventurous end of, of the market. Um, and whilst there there is a very small but loud audience for people who buy these things, um, you know, when, when the entire market for craft beer is ten percent um, from all breweries, um, you know, there's ninety percent of the people who just aren't engaging, you know, w- with these beers at all, and actually find it vaguely ridiculous. Um, judging by those, you know, though, mm. and. Uh, that wasn't a random sampling. Those were the first four comments that were on the Queensland Health page uh, when I opened yeah. it. So anyway, um, so yeah, so you know, hearts go out to people at Bright. Handled it very well. You know, mm-hmm. really, really proactive. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but as 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 we said um, a couple of weeks ago, it's better not to have the need for a recall than have a really good recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and how about just as a general industry, we now say that's the last one. But let's just stop it. Let's let's just not do these anymore. Well, yeah, well... I mean, that's the hard thing, though, isn't it? Because if you want it to stop completely, you should pasteurise. And not that's not within people's reach. That's not... Although well, we should point out that the Dizzy Donkey 
the, uh, the prancing ponies um, yep. cider was was pasteurized, so that was mm, due to that's true. Um, yeah, like was it? They weren't sure exactly, were they? But they thought there might be some extra bacteria hanging around or something afterwards it, on the fruit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and, and you know, like you make a good point, Pete. You know, like not it, there is obviously market for them. There, they, there's a good business case for breweries to make them. Otherwise, is there, though? well, is I presume there? that they wouldn't be making them otherwise, you know. And, and but but, but his, how, how many of them become a core range or even uh, done twice? Because the, all of these things well, are, mate, are one and done. So when deeds, I, I just want, I just, I just want to know, tick it off my list. It, I just want to register deeds. it on untapped. Yeah. yeah, but even them, they're not making the same thing twice. Their core range is one-off beers, um, and you know, if if there's one brewery doing it successfully, other brewers are going to do it. I mean, my thing is. That if you're not if you're not confident of your ability to do it without these issues, you know, experimental being experimental is great. It's what founded the craft beer industry, but not at the cost of beers that have to be recalled or issues, you know, like this. Yeah, but um, how about let's let, let's do our experimental in our own brewery, and then when they don't explode after six months, then yeah, go and send yeah, them yeah, out uh, into, uh, into the trade. But that, that's just it, you know. Like, and for for all of you know. For all of the, um, you know, criticism that has fairly been uh, lobbied at the big brewers over the years, um, one of the things that constrains them uh, in, in bringing out these beers and having spoken to a lot of their breweries is, you know, if they want to just do a finger lime sour, um, you know, in, in one of their breweries, they have to go through this complete QA control. Um, they can't just go down to the market and grab a bag of finger limes and chuck them in because the business risk to them if they have a beer that they have to recall is greater than their willingness to, you know, play in these, you know, keep up with the cool kids. That shouldn't be a business constraint that only big brewers put on themselves. You know, ensuring the quality of the beer that's released to market um, should always be, you know, should always be the, uh, the the thing. You know, brewers make very good pilsners. Every now and then, you know, you, you have a recall. It seems to be, and going back to the discussion we had a couple of weeks ago, um, it's not a personal dislike of any particular type of beer, but when you see these things regularly happening, it does seem to be a certain type of beer that it's happening to. Um, and, you know, that raises the issue. Should, you know, brewers without the capacity to do something, still be making them. Then if, if you've got to put chemicals in, the, the, the Facebook group we discussed a couple of weeks ago was sulphites or things to inhibit um, you know, bacterial growth um, or pasteurisation. You know, given craft beer was made on we don't put any nasties that the big brewers put in, if the beer styles that we're making now have those nasties in, are we in the post-craft world? You know, should there be a discussion around should we be doing them? Do we have to revise what the definition of craft is? Or if we have to do these things that we said were bad to put in, should we be doing them at all? You know, so and it, it, it's just, I don't have any answers. I'm just talking about it. And that was Below the Fold with Matt Kirkegaard. That's <laughs> well, all we've got time no, for this week. Well, yeah, yeah, it was all relevant, absolutely. <laughs> it yeah, was, we'll well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All no, right. it was. And I think when it's on your doorstep as well, it, you feel it more keenly and you're a bit like, Actually, this could be a big problem for us. We can talk about it in the abstract when it's in, over in America, but now it's but us now it's on, here, uh, yeah, to and, us. and now it's yeah. here. And you know, if, if you want to wait, you know, one of the comments was, um, you know, I, I want to read the news of the 
um, thinks, well, we've had it happen. You know, mm-hmm. it pretty much. Yeah, where's it, the evidence yeah, here? Two, two weeks later, <laughs> pretty much exactly yeah. as we talked about it, we would much rather talk about it without talking about a brewery that we like mm-hmm. um, and, and want to be supporting. And, and the fact, too, that even between the three of us, we were unsure of it happening to a specific brewery, it, it tells you that when you put a beer out, you're, you're putting a beer out under every craft brewer's label. Because in, yeah. in 10, 15 minutes, everyone just goes, oh, it was, I can't remember which one it was, but it was a craft beer. Yeah. And then the, the whole category everyone sort of. Everyone gets tarred with the same brush. and Yeah. 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 That's it. Anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on from that, we can always pick it back up. Uh, next one's a little bit of happier news, actually, guys. Uh, Blaster Brewing, it's Steve Russell, lovely Scottish gentleman. He's been listed in a business news 40 under 40. So usually these lists are filled with like lawyers and accountants and doctors and um, medical people and like entrepreneurs and hotel owners and things like that. Um, But Steve has been listed uh, for his work with Blaster. And it was just a really nice little story about uh, a brewing brewing industry, um, like a really prominent brewing industry uh, member over there in WA, getting recognised for all the work that he's done and... We talked a few weeks ago about the professionalization of the industry, and this to me was just a little sign that you know brewing is going is becoming recognized as a legitimate business. It's not just not that it ever wasn't in the lion and um, CUB sort of sphere, but that craft beer is being considered genuinely an area of growth, of uh, jobs growth, of revenue growth, and that Steve got recognized for it as well, which is amazing. Um, and he even said, you know, he says that people are nominated in the awards have achieved some significant things in WA. And he says, you know, it's a welcome step, not for only for me, but the brewing industry too, he says. Um, you know, he wanted to be in a bit of an inspiration to breweries um, coming up and consider it to have people consider it a legitimate business environment like all other sectors. Uh, so that was really cool. And I really like that one. So, yeah, well done, Steve. He's up here in Queensland actually this week for um, the Real Queensland Food and Wine Show. And they're doing a few other bits and bobs in Queensland. So hopefully we'll see them over here more. Yeah, no, uh, good to have a good news story. And uh, post-COVID, there's a challenge of recruitment. There is a challenge of recruitment. So we did a, an article. Oof probably middle of last year, talking about the potential ways in which COVID might affect recruitment for hospitality, recruitment um, for brewing production packaging roles. And I was just like, interesting, because we've seen in the, obviously, as you'd expect in the past two months, a massive influx of jobs. Almost as soon as we started back in January, people were sending brewery jobs through, they're sending hospital jobs through. And it was just so much more than we'd had to deal with in the past year, effectively. So it it sort of jumped out at me is, is, is everyone back on board now? Are people still willing to move? You know, what's the um, atmosphere for recruiting in our sector like? And so I spoke to Alex Dever at Brick Lane and uh, a very nice lady called Sylvie from Frontline. They specialise in hospitality recruitment. So we sort of talked about both aspects, um, especially considering that JobKeeper is about to end on the 28th of March. So that's going to have a big impact on businesses that have been sort of limping through on that during COVID. Obviously, with things opening up now, the, the future is looking a bit better. But at the same time, as we discussed in this article, these rolling lockdowns popping up now and then, you know, they are affecting the industry in whatever, even though it's only like a small section, it's not the whole of Australia anymore. It's the city wide, it's regional wide. It still hurts the industry quite a lot when they thought that they were back 
back on top effectively and people were coming out in droves uh, when they were allowed to. Uh, and we've still got issues, especially in hospitality, with visa, visa holders, um, lack of people in tourist areas. Uh, you know, if you're even if you're a domestic traveller, the likelihood of you travelling somewhere and then being oh sod it I won't go back to my real life I'll take a job here is just minimal like nobody would probably do that especially now when job security is quite a a big issue and that's um what Alex was saying about brewing uh brewing production roles you know if you've got a secure job if you've got a secure job at a brewery and business has been good during COVID the likelihood of you moving even now is still quite slim so that could potentially be a difficulty in future but it was just an interesting one a bit of an update um to see how it's going to go and what we think recruitment will look like and the overall sort of feeling was that in the next two years, we're still going to have a little bit rocky, especially in hospitality, but potentially in brewing um, production packaging roles. So we'll see, basically, is, is the end of that one. Um, but no, it was really interesting. And yeah, thanks to Alex from Brick Lane. Yep, uh, particularly until we get um, you know, true confidence back mm. in, the, in the market overall, I think it's going to be difficult for people to, to want to take any, any chances, whether it's you know, employing new staff, training new staff, um, and all the, you know, the expense that goes with that um when there's still a risk that you know snap of the fingers and and we've got to you know close for a couple of days or a week or a month or whatever it might be absolutely the only reason um, i keep my stuff they're too scared to <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to leave <laughs> now the next the next story i think somebody's cut and pasted because i'm sure we've done this story uh every week for the last <laughs> somebody's <laughs> got to delete an old set yeah. of notes. Uh, more losses as brew extends uh alm deal nationwide claire <laughs> yes Brew strikes again on this one. Um, announced a half-year loss of $1.036 million. Um, at the same time, well, the same week, uh, it announced a distri- distribution agreement with Australian liquor to marketers, ALM. So that's like IGA liquor and places like that. That one was exclusive. They actually have had a, an agreement with ALM previously, which seemed to just have fallen off the radar completely. Funnily enough, with They're Brew. They're very good at announcing <laughs> things. Like, They're I, great at I announcing things. I will say things. this about Brew. No one makes an announcement the way they do. They are, the, they are Australia's – they're up there They're with the BrewDog, you yeah. know, um, as, as in terms of announcing things. <laughs> Not so good on doing the things that they announce. No, no follow <laughs> No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's that sign for, you know, dating myself, you know, there's that sign. They're very good at making the announcement. <laughs> Not so good at doing the announcement. Yeah. You know, doing exactly. the thing that they announce. Classic. Um, so we aren't sure what it means for the deal with the East End Group, which well, is it's the exclusive. With, it's exclusive it's with exclusive. ALM. So does that it mean it was exclusive with? Um, and it was exclusive. It, it was a Queensland exclusive with uh, East End. Honestly, it's a roller coaster with these guys. An well, absolute but that's the thing. Yeah, Except yeah, roller coasters like, sometimes go up, Claire. <laughs> Not just well, down, mate, down, down. <laughs> didn't you see the post this week, Prof? <laughs> the um the and and well this is new, so I'll, I'll sort of talk about it. So I'd noticed that the day that they announced the national agreement after the two-day trading halt and people who know the trading who know the markets much better than I do um, you know who, who sort of keep me advised about these things um, sort of contacted me um, including people who had worked in the markets that said look you don't need a this is just something you don't need a two-day trading halt for this is a run-of-the-mill um, announcement businesses do every day you know you might sort of say it to let your customers know this is how you order the beer it's not a trading halt. It's not a price-sensitive thing. Brew is very good at calling the trading halt 
to build up the anticipation and announcing it. And on the day that they actually announced it, I think 30 million shares traded um, uh, you know, at, at, a, at a very similar range, you know, instead of the one and a half cents, 1.6 ones, and I think it got up to 1.8 cents, which just seemed incredibly odd that there was such frenzied trading activity um, without a significant movement in price in dollar terms. I think it was, looked like a 25%. Um, just, so just I thought, I wonder how high this can go. So put the Bruce News shares um, on, on, on the sales block at two cents, just in case, forgot about it. And suddenly I got this email going, you've made it. We made, we yeah. made a windfall. 29% profit. So uh, the, the, the handful of people that actually backed me. Take that, um, naysayers. You're going to get a dividend, <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you're gonna get oh, a yeah, because you were all- you po- did you post that on the yeah? I, I mean, I, I, I think we got twenty five dollars kicked in oh, um, from beautiful. you know a handful of uh, of our <laughs> listeners. So you guys have uh, I'm, I'm going to double your money. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as, as all good Ponzi schemes um, do. Of course, you, you could dividend reinvestment. You could we could just turn it back into more shares when it drops back down to. You know, 1.2 cents. Or oh, man, I've, I've put mm. in the buy order at one and a half cents again, so, <laughs> you know, so, so I can really lock you. I still want to have the shares so we can go to the annual uh, annual general meeting. And I think we should take the profit that we made from those shares and buy frozen concentrated orange juice shares. <laughs> uh, ABAC. Indeed. Claire. Yes, Pete. Interesting couple of ones on this one. Romsey Brewing, which is a new brewery, I believe in Victoria, but it could be New South Wales. And they do something called Daily Lager. There is a town, Romsey. Oh, well, there you Romsey, they're the currently majors. brewing uh, in partnership. Yeah, we, we, as in as every contract brewer does, they're currently brewing with their great mates down the road um, at Holgate. <laughs> Anywho, they posted a Instagram story. It was a repost, uh, I believe, of a, in, an influencer basically sculling one of their beers, just absolutely downing it. Something like, oh yeah, because that's what it said, when Victoria lockdowns end, um, and then the video of him sculling the beer. Obviously encouraging excessive um, and irresponsible drinking. But the I think what was most interesting for me was Romsey's response. They clearly haven't read Bruce News. Um, basically, they, say, they were saying they strongly disagree with the complaint and that categorising the post as marketing was incorrect. They said, We live in an era of social media whereas posting frequently is seen as normal. Assuming each of these posts is linked to an underlying marketing agenda is false and not to be considered. And I just went, what? It was like a record scratch Mm. moment. I was like, what are you talking about? Then they started talking about how it was about community engagement. And I was like, is that not marketing then? You're trying to engage a community to buy your beer. That is marketing. Anyway, they're a new brewery. I back acknowledge that they're a new brewery. They clearly don't know the rules. Um, They've clearly got a little bit of work to do on business strategy and things like that. Um, But they said that they were... um, uh, they said they placed the safety of their customers and the compliance of all regulatory boards at the forefront of its operation. Question mark on that. Anyway, the second one was a little bit more interesting to potentially um, maybe bigger brewers. Uh, it was about streaming platforms and advertising seen on streaming platforms. So when you've got a program on regular programming TV, you know it's going to be after 8 o'clock or during a program with 75% adults you can't necessarily guarantee that with a streaming platform and you definitely can't can't guarantee when people watch that particular program. So this was all about um, some of the big brewers, I think Peroni and um, Asahi were mentioned on there. And they had obviously put their adverts during a streaming, 
or, or during a program that was then subsequently streamed by someone who had, who complained about it. But actually, it brings up some interesting questions about how to block those kind of things. And I believe it is actually quite easy to block um, this adult content, but I just don't think people know how to do it. I feel like there's an education piece around, you know, child blocks and things like that on streaming services. So that was an interesting little one. And there was quite a few other ones, actually, um, not about the beer world, but they were also interesting. So if you have a chance, just go and I've just given a quick little roundup of those just to have a look through. But yeah, the Daily Lager one, don't encourage excessive drinking. I feel like that's a basic rule. And they absolutely broke that one. So, um, yeah, you deserve that one, guys. Sorry. Yep, just cop it and move on. <laughs> Speaking of moving on, um, are, are you going to put on an accent and do I'm our New Zealand well correspondent? <laughs> I think I'd get kicked out. Um, <laughs> these ones are a little bit tricky for me because I wasn't actually here on Friday when these ones came out. But I will, I will give them a go. Um, the first one um, in the world of New Zealand is we actually touched on it last week as well because the US Brewers Association added two New Zealand beer styles to their guidelines. Um, the New Zealand Pale Ale and the New Zealand IPA, um, which is really interesting. And that was um, part of lobbying from the Brewers Guild of New Zealand, which is an amaz- amazing achievement for them. You know, I guess to America, New Zealand's quite small and I'm not sure how much attention they'd pay to it but the fact that they've got these New Zealand pale ales and New Zealand IPA out there is amazing it's really cool so yeah well done Brewers Guild on that and one. I think it probably says a lot about the the character of New Zealand grown hops that they're not a version of um mm. you know continental USA or or, or European mean, yeah. hops they're you know you look at um things like Nelson Sovin or or Riwaka or Motueka that, that really have distinctive, you know, like you kind of go, oh, yeah, I get, you know, I I, um, I recognise that. And it's probably, I, I don't know whether then, you know, like Sabro or um, Zappa, what's in your, tell us those ones in the, that are kind of seen as US ones, but but I guess they're, they're used more internationally. I don't know. Mm. It's, it's, it's good from a, from a, a beer judging point of view. Um, it just, it just narrows the focus a little bit and allows, I guess, it, look, it, it's good and bad because it now means okay. Well, I've, but I've also used Cascade and Centennial in my New Zealand Pale Ale or whatever it might be. So you know, does that where, yeah, where, does where that do I enter it, or does it give me a couple of options to enter? You know, mm, interesting. I mean, this was a big one for for a couple of reasons. The the the, the styles that are made under this entry aren't limited to New Zealand hops. Um, you know, they need to express New Zealand. The what are the classic New Zealand styles? But you know, for example, you can use other hops. Um, for bittering um, and and things like that, so it's not limiting it to it. But the the, the thing that really struck me about this that made it, uh, you know, we covered the Brewers Association's new style guidelines generally, and then drilled down to this because it was actually the Brewers Guild of New Zealand started the process. I, I think because Australia's got a couple of pale ales that I I, I think more go back to the um, you know time when Cooper's Sparkling Ale. Was yeah. which is an internationally unique beer style, um, but the style guidelines were developed in the US, and I think it, over recent years Australians might have had a little bit more um, input into them. But this was actually the Brewers Guild of New Zealand on, on their own account lobbying for this because you know New Zealand pale ales are distinctive in the world of beer. When, when they looked at the um, I think they looked at untapped check-ins and saw the number of beers that were 
listed as being you know New Zealand style pale ale um, around the world and said look this is a significant thing so it was like a huge industry outcome for uh, you know a, a, a Brewers Guild um, and I think the Brewers Guild New Zealand has a staff of one and a half um, so yeah a really really big outcome um, and wanted to, to sort of uh, acknowledge that cool but what's not good about the New Zealand beer industry at the minute is that COVID's hit them really hard. So this this one actually really shocked me when I saw it because obviously we've seen beer volumes increase, especially on the retail side of things, not, as we've mentioned, to completely offset hospitality losses, but New Zealand has apparently experienced a downturn in 2020 and the, it was the only alcohol sector to do so, um, according to the latest figures from Stats New Zealand. Um Apparently, in its report, alcohol consumption for the year ended December 2020. Beer volume was down 1.7% um, to 293 million litres. And that's really surprising. Maybe that says more about the New Zealand hospitality industry, that that's potentially where people drank most of their beer, rather than taking it home. I don't know. But yeah, really interesting one on that. What do you think, guys? Anecdotally, certainly, um, it's my understanding that with the way that the um, the New Zealand population is is distributed around the their major centres, if you're working in a you know government office, for example, or you know whatever it might be, you can. It's quite easy to get like not as many people uh, commute to work using their own car. So mm-hmm. if you're walking home and you go, oh, actually, there's a, a new you know. Um, beer's been tapped or whatever, you might just pop in. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's more of a, yeah, there's more of a uh, drinking on premise mm. um, than than drinking at home. I, I don't know whether that's still the case. I, I do remember speaking to my friends in the in the biz in New Zealand saying that, that it, it was much more, and that's why you had a lot more of these smaller bars and it was also why um, the New Zealand brewers tended to come up with the the new beers, the limited releases, the um, you know, ex- experimenting with different hops or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. because you'd then encourage people to give them a, a reason to pop in on their way home from work just to try this new one. Interesting. There we go. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. I wonder if it'll bounce back. The um, interesting thing for me, mm-hmm. and just sort of looking at the the way that the New Zealand's industry has, the mainstream, you know, they, they've noted it, um, and there has been a shift from beer to wine and spirits. And I had read that that may be potentially because of, you know, if you're drinking at home, um, you, you know, you, you want the higher alcohol products, um, which fits into the narrative that beer has always had, that it tends to be the beverage of moderation. You know, if you are going out and having the session, um, which tends to relate to the time you spend drinking as opposed to the amount you spend drinking, yeah. um, beer lends itself to that. And if you're going to have, you know, um, just a, a drink with dinner or, you know, like a, a drink after dinner, um, sometimes it's uh, spirits. But even allowing for that, we did not see an increase in alcohol consumption during lockdown despite all of the negativity and fears about it. And, you know, the, the wellness trends and the, you know, the, the awareness is, is certainly increasing, which if you, walk, if you go out into the market, if you go out and speak to people, if you look at social media and see the number of people who even work in the industry that are talking about their awareness of their alcohol um, consumption, you would certainly see that people are consuming less. All of the data shows that less alcohol has been consumed. If you read a media release from people who are paid to um, campaign against alcohol, um, you know, and are arguably incentivized to gear their research towards, you know, no one's going to pay you to research 
whether alcohol is good for you, but there is a lot of money available to fund research saying that alcohol is bad for you, um, which, you know, call me old-fashioned, but may provide an incentive for people to have a certain point of view. Um, but if you read their research, uh, the contrary is true. Yeah, if only they could spend their money a little bit more wisely, Matt. Or fairly. Or fairly, <laughs> yes. Because uh, brewing great beer takes time and it is considered artistry by brewers and polishing that art and expanding for the future is made easier with fluidic controls and automation of your processes, enabling more time for craft brewing density and flavours instead of just stirring the mix. And this is where Burkett can assist. Burkett supports their Australian customers with single cable technology for future-proofing their tomorrow. Now that's smart. Go to www.burkert.com.au. And also, if you are a brewer and you want to find out a little bit more about uh, fluid controls, um, I had a podcast, uh, like a Brewery Pro podcast, talking. It's not the sexiest topic that, that we can talk about in, in some ways, but if you are looking for efficiencies in your brew house, it's a pretty sexy, uh, yeah, and, and beer quality, um, it's a sexy topic. So I had a great chat with Luke Houlihan from Burkett um, about all of those things in our, not in our news feed, in our Brewery Pro podcast, and uh, maybe go and listen to that. And I did say too that um, Beer is Conversation this week, Matt Hennessy. Mm. Yes, How yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to mention it below the fold. Did he remember you fondly, Matt? Do you remember <laughs> Matt? I do remember Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, like a very... The very first time at uh, at Beer Deluxe, upstairs at Beer Deluxe, um, the very first uh, Cryer Malt Trade Hub. I Matt, didn't remember. I, I see. This is why <laughs> I need that's you where we met him. because you, like, you are my uh, like. <laughs> I, I outsource all of my memories to you. Um, yeah, yeah, de- de- definitely met him. Cryer Cryer Malt. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> you, you do that, that freakishly well. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was re- really fun this, chat. This is um, not my underwear. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt, yeah, Matt organised all the, uh, he, he was like Of our, course, um, yes, now I do remember, yes. Oh, yeah. here we go, yeah. the penny drop. And I don't know whether he was wor- at that stage, whether he was working with Good Beer Week or at Beer Deluxe, but um, yeah, he was, he was like a handler, organised beers for us and um, the sound and all that sort of stuff. And look back now, that was, it, was, it was a pretty... Pretty much amateur hour. We were making it up as we went along, but uh, it was just us, and we created something out of it. We did, and now everyone's well, coming to be do very it. Proud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not, not even sure whether we'll be there this year, Pete. Yeah, that's it. If that's it for the news, now it's time for mailbag. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcasting app. It costs you nothing. Unlike buying some equipment from Burkett, which won't cost you nothing. We should just point, you know, <laughs> point that out. Disclaimer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, it, but it won't cost you nearly as much as um, um, it wouldn't. It would cost you to not future-proof your brewery. Um, uh, it costs you nothing, and it helps other beer lovers to discover the podcast, many of whom have, because you can also um, get on our Facebook page, uh, Radio Brews News, which is kind of an extension of, of this and, and where we get really good engagement, really good discussions. And I noticed that we're up to 575 members now. We've, oh, yeah. we've picked up about 50 in the last, just in the last couple of weeks. So okay. I don't know what we're doing or what they're doing. But, <laughs> well, uh, they're doing it right. Words getting around. <laughs> the, the funny thing is I'm not sure that they're all listeners um, to the podcast. You know, a lot oh, of really? them are, judging by our uh, podcast traffic. Um, oh, I would yeah. imagine too, though, that and a lot of people box. would go, I don't have time to listen to the full podcast, but I can kind of get the, the engagement 
oh. part of it and, and catch up on some of the stories that are discussed through the, the Facebook page just mm. in, uh, it, with a passing interest. Well, there's a whole, like, I mean, the whole of the Facebook group is below the fold essentially because, you know, it's just sort of sharing stuff that may not make the news um, here, but just yeah. sharing yep. things that people find interesting. Um, and, and I love the, you know, again, it's having a million eyes um, over the news, as I've said in the past. Um, well, 587 eyes over the, or 1,000 and, you know, Assuming they've all got two eyes, but this is your show. Anyway. You, you, you keep going. With the number of eyes, uh, we've got uh, bar blades and and t-shirts, Matt. They're on the way. They they have been dispatched. Yes, I are spent my weekend the, doing that. Licking uh, actually, I didn't lick any the, envelopes. I taped them shut. Um, are they in the safe hands of Australia Post? And being what, buying American envelopes is challenging. Like the the envelopes I bought from um, Office Works, terrible quality. Like you you pull off the the, the strip that's the ceiling strip. The whole ceiling strip came off. So I, I apologise for the quality of. Uh, <laughs> um, don't buy cheap envelopes. We'll going, yeah, thanks for the T-shirt. It was stapled to the envelope. <laughs> no, I didn't staple it. I glued, but hopefully they got there. Um, so, but they uh, should be on the way out. Yeah. And, yeah. and Barblades, don't forget, if you do get your email read or your um, Facebook post, um, it, it's just more than we can cope with um, without you actually going, hey, that was my e- email. Um, that was my email that you read out. Here's my address. And prompt us yeah. and we don't, do don't get be shy. stuff done. Yeah, just just tell us because it's the only way we'll learn. Um, Claire, we've got one now. Is it a, yeah, a letter so this, or is it a, it's a? It was an email actually. An email. Um, yeah, because we didn't have that many reviews this week, guys. So uh, I was pretty sad. I haven't about had that. a letter for a while. I have to and say, no, yeah. no real life letter. Ugh, Come on, guys. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I actually got in touch with Brenton Showmaker um, in Adelaide about the brewery radar that we do. So we do that every uh, two months, just tracking all the new breweries in Australia, where they're at, what they're up to. Um, where they are in their development process, when they might open. And um, Brenton is actually setting up a brewery in Adelaide called Kickback, and we can't talk too much about it, and I shan't be writing about it just yet. Um, but he is a listener, and it was really nice to just have a, someone reply and say, oh, you know, lovely to hear from you. He said, um, I've spent many hours listening to you guys over the last few years, but unfortunately over the last six months, time has dried up with the brewery build. Um, but it was just really nice to um, be in touch with someone who's listened to us and was nice about me as well, so that's good. Um, but yeah, um, hi, Brenton, and thanks for that. And we do also, we, we, we like to follow up on um, brewers who don't take our advice and, and do work at a brewery. <laughs> yes, exactly. I should say that to him. Uh, Brenton, have you I not listened, heard? Yeah, I listened to your podcast and it inspired me to open anyway. a brewery. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. If you need to uh, get back to work now or finish your run, um, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Claire. Cheers, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Uh, we'll be back very shortly for Below the Fold. And it's very shortly. And here we are with Below the Fold. Hey, Pete. Um, mate, I was going to um, just apropos the start of our chat when you were sort of talking about lockdowns and whether or not you could sort of get into Queensland again. I'm hoping that this isn't a sign of anything. But mm. um, no, yeah, no. Uh, apparently, there was a guy that is on, you know, watch because he can't stop singing uh, Frank Sinatra. 
and they think he might have coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, no. No, both of you now. Oh, I can't deal with this. This is too much. I just wanted to get in with that before Pete no, could. Pete, marks out 10 for that. Yes. Uh, sorry, you just broke up there. I didn't get it on. But uh, below the fold, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Well... I think we should jump to Rob Stewart first. I think that will be an interesting yep. one. Um, so Rob Stewart on the Facebook group posted a screenshot. He says it's taken from Matthew Curtis, a beer writer in the UK. It's an excerpt from an email sent to trade customers of Little Lion Little World Beverages in the UK. Um, he's Rob says I've never liked tap contracts, but offering them as a form of COVID relief is another a whole nother level. And so in this screenshot, um, it's. Lion Little World cash flow scheme, it's titled, and it says, aim to help our customers back on their feet post-lockdown. Lion Little World Beverages providing free stock up to a maximum of 12 kegs in exchange for the stocking of its portfolio of craft beer in your venue. Uh, Portfolio includes four pure magic rock little creatures and Voodoo Ranger. That was really interesting to me, like, especially considering what we've written about tap contracts and Lion in previous months. They clearly aren't too bothered about oh, doing it. Well, there, there's no. When does incentivizing sort of become? Yeah, where's the line? I suppose begging slash bribery. Yeah, and I think to, to well, pitch it as a post lockdown, like we're trying to help you out. Well, that's what I said. It's it's, it's a it, that, that is a very very juicy business incentive. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean twelve k. I mean I don't know what the retail price would, would that would be here, but you know if you give three taps in your venue here and you get twelve kegs. It's a cash saving of, you know, $5,000. And then if you look at the profit that you get for those, um, you know, for for the retail price, you know, you're looking at 15 grand, um, you know. Yeah, the the bit that's missing, of course, guys, is that there is, it doesn't say, now, once you have these taps, you've got to put through X number of litres per year. Yeah, otherwise we're taking it back. Well, not taking it back. So, it, it, no. What I'm saying is, I don't know if does that suggest that there isn't a, um, a re, you know, a volume rebate scheme attached to it? Is it just a look? You know, we're going to help you out and throw your bone, and it, it helps us too because because we get a permanent tap that we may not have had otherwise, um, or is it? You know, yeah. I, I don't know which which way it is. Yeah. Look, I I actually saw this because um, I follow Matt on uh, and and he's written for Bruce News in in, in the past and. My first response is, oh, look, you know, I'll have to reach out to him to sort of do a story because Lion Little World Beverages is of uh, relevance here. But I, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I find it very hard to, you know, elevate the moral outrage on, on, on this one anymore. You know, look, I, I wrote that story. Um, we'd been hearing for years about, you know, Lion targeting, you know, breweries like Stone and Wood specifically and finally got the contract that sort of, you know, because you can't do it on rumours and, you know, um, you know, reps talking about it. A mate of a mate. It, who's, we actually, yeah. yeah, we actually had it. And the level of interest in the industry about it was, you know, it, it, it was on the uh, ho-hum level. Um, everyone knows about it. The IBA decided not to comment on it, even though contracts was meant to be one of their priorities for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Which hasn't popped up in the ACCC's focus this year either. Um, cropped up, you know, the ACCC is not even a um, thing for them. And, not only that, but it, it just seems accepted um, in the industry that those who are at the level that they can offer cash incentives and buy taps do. Those that can't 
complain about it until they get to the stage that they're big enough to, to do it themselves. Um, and yeah, then they just say, oh, it's, it's what you have to do, the cost of doing business. Um, so, you know, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be any industry impetus to change it. Yeah, we should point out too that there's no obligation, on, you know, like a, a, a licensee can decide, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to, my independence and my ability to give my market what they want is more important to me than, you know, a one-off, you know, 12 free kegs. And, and, and that's where you're talking about it, not in terms of the outrage of Lion doing this um, or spinning it as a, as a COVID measure and just whether it's a good business thing to lock yourself in. Um, mm. and, and also what it means to, you know, like for Pure and New Belgium particularly, that it always has held itself out as a business with a strong social conscience in the US. You know, what, what it says about the change in their brand values that, that's now happening, you know, for for, for their brewery, um, you know, and 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 to me, that's a, like a separate discu- discussion about whether you should be outraged about it, um, you know. But yeah. it, like, yeah. I, I come back to you know, my views about uh, contracting really started changing, as I think I've said on the podcast in the past. You know, when you would try and get um, breweries. But before there was a craft beer movement in Brisbane, you would try and put together, like even before they were called tap takeovers, you know, sort of getting some one-off beers from craft breweries that created that excitement in venues. And they'd sort of say, oh, look, you know, we're not going to give you, you know, this highly sought-after limited release unless, you know, you, you also take... And you go, well, look, I don't actually have a venue to take on. I'm trying to create excitement. Well, you know, if the venue's not going to, you know, put on our core range, um, you know permanently we're not going to give you our special releases and this was you know fiercely at what point does that mindset and you can completely understand it when there is so little um you know of the special releases to go around you're going to upset your regular customers um or your permanent customers if they don't get them um but at what point does that mindset become contracts and you know mutually beneficial business arrangements become contracts and things like that it's just a really 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 vexed question I um, mean, you know, venues and breweries need to decide what fits their brand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, we've got a, a good beer hunting. Did we give them a fair plug the last couple of uh, episodes? Yeah, haven't we? I only just realised. Promoting their, um, their fine work. But this one, I, I'm not familiar with this one. So, we Claire, talk us one. through it. Yeah, so it was kind of a, do you remember the Black is, Be- Black is Beautiful beers that they did? It was like a charity beer um, for Black Lives Matter causes. And I believe Dot, we did a piece on Dollar Bill who... Um, and I think Brewdog or someone like that did another one. Brewdog did one as well. Brewdog yeah. did one as well. Um, so it sort of touched on something that we've done over here as well. But Good Beer Hunting went and asked 50 breweries, um, you know, how much money did you give? Like, was it all of it? All that kind of stuff. And only, only half of them came back, which I thought was a bit lame. But it sort of, to me, highlighted the importance of, and we've had discussions in the office about this before, about the transparency behind it when you have um, a beer that you're saying is for charity, how much of your profits are you going are going towards that uh, charitable cause? Are you being transparent with saying actually how much from the outset are you going to give? Is it 100% of the profits? Are you just going to recoup your losses on packaging and ingredients and all that kind of stuff? Or yeah. are you going to do like 50% of the profits or whatever? Either way, you need to have that really clearly written somewhere and 
to be held accountable and transparent about stuff like that. And I think it was actually kind of a, I don't think Good Beer Hunting made as much of a deal about it as I would have done, about how little, how few people came back to them with it. Well, certainly uh, the 25 out of the 50 or whatever that yeah. didn't respond at all, you've got to say, mm, okay. What are you doing then? Yeah. D- and check, check your junk file absolutely. or your spam folder. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. you missed the email, but let's assume that most of them, uh, were reticent. Exactly. It, it, and Claire flagged, you know, something that we've talked about um, in in the past. You know, it, it's been very interesting to see, and it's something that we've really talked about editorially, the number of media releases that we get from new businesses, and not exclusively, but often, they are non-brewery-owning businesses, that yeah. as part, you know, it, it, it's much harder to tell your story in the crowded beer market that we have now, um, you know, when you don't, when you're not a brewery owner, you know, when you're another contract brewer or another nomad brewer, and absolutely nothing against those guys, but you know, telling your story is very, very hard. When we've got three hundred couple of mates, you know, got together over beers and said, "Wouldn't it be great if we did this?" Suddenly, um, you know, uh, like beer for a cause is a you know, a way to add something to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it helps get your head above the noise. It will, it, you know, on the shelves. On the where people shelves. say, "Well, what, what are you doing this for?" You know, is it just you know because you've got your day jobs, you're doing this on the side? What are you doing it for? Well, look, you know, we're doing it for a wider purpose, and it's you know not slagging anybody off, but if that's part of your marketing, then you know, I, I just have a you know, it's part of me that I feel that you should be if you're going to use that to convince people to buy your beer or presumably as an attempt to convince them to buy your beer or make them feel better about your beer over any other beer particularly people that have millions invested in their stainless steel um, and sleepless nights as a result of it that you know you have some accountability you have some transparency um, you know around you know you're making an annual statement. This is how much we gave to our charity. It, it, it's not good enough to just say a percentage of our profits mm-hmm. will go. What percentage? You know, how much did you give um, yeah. over the last twelve months? And we've found that whenever we've asked, people are very, very reluctant to do it. And, and so now it's, it, it becomes harder and harder for the punter who wants to, um, I guess, you know, make their drinking do some good, or you know, yeah. has that that buy bent that where they they want to yeah buy sustainably or they want to help support you know, charitable causes, whatever it might be. You've got to look for the canned on date. You've got to look for the best before date. You've now got to look for, you know, the pregnancy label, the independent seal. And now you've got to, you know, look at, you know, where the the money's going. So luckily we have people like Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, guys, who could um, help you out with um, making your message stand out, Um, whether it's, you know, shrink sleeves or whatever it might be, Um, cans, labels, bottles, the whole whole thing. Um, And uh, the cans, uh, if you want, like if you're one of the – contract brewers that uh, Matt was, was talking about, you can arrange to have the can sent to the brewery that does your beer for you, um, palletised, ready to fill, nothing more to do. Just give them a call on 1300 852 235 and they'll sort you out. Um, can I also just give a genuine wrap to um, two brewing companies that I know of. Uh, there's the local brewing company and Brewmanity. Now, I know for a fact because I spoke to both these guys about this very topic at the Ballarat Beer Festival two weeks ago, um, they actually have, uh, like, uh, as a whatever, you know, um, like on the balance sheet, um, part of the cost of beer before the beer is brewed uh, is the is the donation 
um, portion of every of every beer. So that way, no matter no matter what price you get it at, or um, you know how much profit there is in it, it, the the same amount is going into whether it's QMND or um, uh, Second Bite. I think is the one that the local mm-hmm. brewing co guys use, which yeah. which helps yep. to provide um, meals for people in need. And, and again, in local, so, so it can we be done. done a story on local when they started uh, about that, and they answered. You know, Claire asked the question, and, and they answered. Um, and it's absolutely not having a go at anyone who, you know, has um, you know beer for a cause because it is a fantastic way to, you know, leverage people's interest in beer with a brand with, with a cause that they feel um, important about. Yeah, but I just yeah, sort of, awareness of the cause is, is still good too, even if if there's not direct money going to it. But if you are saying that we're going to get some money to them, then yeah, you've got to be transparent, not honest. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Um, and but like so I've that's the, the least you can do. I have the same view about you know your business changes when you take equity crowdfunding or crowdsource funding. You know, part of that is that you have to be transparent about where that money's gone and things like that because you, you are getting a business advantage and if you make certain exactly. choices for your business, you, that doesn't come without a cost. Now, speaking of honesty and transparency uh, and the Ballarat Beer Festival, I forgot last week to mention that, and I, I, I didn't get his name and I apologise, but um, he came along to a couple of our sessions, first time at the at the beer festival and said, oh, look, you know, um, I, I, I thought I'd recognise you. So I listen to your podcasts all the time, absolutely love them, um, really informative. Um, to, and I said, oh, mate, no, thanks for that, thanks for that. Anyway, uh, towards the end of the last session, he came back up and he said, I just need to make an apology. It wasn't actually you. Um, I was mistaking you. The one I listened to is uh, is uh, the beer healer. <laughs> I said, oh, no, no, th- thanks for that. I said, no, look, I, can, I can understand how you thought uh, we're you know very similar because a lot of the topics kind of you know cross over. Uh, you know, we, we we cover a lot of the very similar kinds of um, uh, well, exactly the same guests sometimes. Um, but you know, the similar <laughs> we, we tread similar similar sort of thing. But he did write down all our details and that sort of thing, and he was going to listen. So. Thanks very much. I'll give a shout out to him. Uh, and also to uh, James Omond um, sent me uh, and Jimmy Krekelberg uh, a letter. So just to follow up on the speaking of the local brewing company, oh, um, yeah. gave uh, gave Jimmy some really good advice uh, on. And I won't read it all out because it's you know there's there's, there's some stuff there that, that that he's still got to sort of follow up on and all that sort of thing. But it was just terrific that. Um, that this podcast can can reach out to people who have specific skills and talents um, that they're more than willing to to share with the uh, the guys who genuinely need that sort of um, that help to, to to just sort of push them in the right direction, which is great. And those of us without skills and talents are glad that there are listeners that do. Yeah, <laughs> but it's but it's really it's really nice when those things you know I love it when a plan comes together kind of thing yep. where you say you know I've got this problem. Well, I've got somebody who might be able to help you. You put the two together and they go, mate, thanks for that. It was um, you know the, the the circle's complete and uh, and we, we we get turn that engagement into into something you know of, of actual value. And just a very, very quick, because I know that we are probably even for... Overcooked. Um, yes. <laughs> um, just want to shout out to the, you, the Facebook group, um, uh, Bo Curtis, um, for his, you know, as we talk about, you know, the, the case studies um, for zero alcohol, I'm still trying to get my head around them. Yeah, this was this was an interesting one, I thought. Yeah, well, it, 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 we've had similar case studies in, in the Facebook group, you know, alternating, you know, you, you go to a social event have a regular beer but then because you know that sessional aspect of the um you know it's time not consumption um having you know inter- interposing your the, the 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 alcohol beers with the non-alcohol beers 
um, is a way to be social whilst not being you know antisocial the next day. Um, the, for, for want of a better word, and that, that's one of the case studies that yeah we have you know one of the ways that the use cases people are finding for zero alcohol beer. Yeah, and that one was Bose. One Bose uh, example was an interesting one for because for me I find, and I've said it a couple of times before, but if it's the first one, it's far more satisfying to me. When I've then gone, oh, I've had a, I've had a regular beer. I want to now. I'll try that other zero alcohol beer. It, I just don't think it. Um, it presents as well. I think the, the zero alcohol beers work well if you if that's all you're having. So okay, it, it, I'd, I'd be, yeah. I, I just found oh gee, no, this doesn't taste as good as because I've had so the same beer, two two units of the same beer, and and you know three days ago I had one um, just come in from working in the garden or whatever. It was a warm day and it was the first beer, and I thought oh actually that's 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 pretty good. That that I'm not missing the alcohol in that. Or, or it's not presenting as a, as a fault. Mm. Um, but then, you know, three days, four days later, have a beer and then, oh, I'm going to try that other non-alcoholic beer. Oh, it just doesn't taste the same now. So it, didn't, it just didn't present the same um, on the back of something that uh, I guess, you know, set off the receptors in my mind that this is how beer is supposed to taste and this is, these are all, yep. you know, all the boxes ticked. So I was interested that, that Bo had said, you know, it, it worked for him to have, to have uh uh, you know, whatever it was, you know, full strength, non-alcohol, full strength, non, you know, alternate that way. Well, I guess the full strength washes the taste out of your mouth. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I don't know. No, but yeah, no, it, 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 it's great to sort of see how people are using them. But again, none of those are going to convince, you know, are convincing me that these 100% increases, and I, I think New Zealand had a 100% increase um, in, in use um, over the last year. You know, it's still... You know, yeah. if you're trying, going back and trying, oh, no, this one's no good, but I'm hearing so much about it, I'm going to buy another one, see if I can find one that I actually like. You know, there's five, six, seven, eight purchases you're making um, that maybe you don't stick on one um, or it's just going to be something that you have. We're not going to see that reach 5 yeah. 10% yeah. of the total beer market. And before we finish up and thank our sponsors and uh, do all that sort of wrap, I'm going to give a shout-out to a good friend of both of ours, Matt, Paul Bowker from... Um, Brickland uh, Brewing and John Selton. Um, they this week, uh, Paul shared with me that he said the hardest thing they've ever had to do. He said it was um, they sat down and did a a, a sample tasting of thirty five seltzers. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Paul, uh, yeah. So oh, I, I I felt for him. Mm, me too. Oh God, nobody deserves that. <laughs> Look, nothing against Celsius. I'm going to no, issue no, my stand. No, I, no. Don't, I don't want it. I don't want to be hearing from people going, "You're a snob," or you just hate no. them. But but it was really interesting that um, you know the, because so many of them are effectively just you know ethanol with fruit flavouring, um, and even the ones and, that aren't taste like yeah. ethanol with fruit flavouring. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing was because they're looking at it obviously from a from a technical point of view, and they have they have uh, brewing partners who may w- want them to make one for them, so they've got to know you know go well what are we in for? How do we write a recipe for it and all that sort of thing? What works and what doesn't? And the interesting thing that Paul shared with me was that the the mid strength the three and a half percent ones actually presented better um, because, and I think perhaps there's something to do with the higher alcohol ones make the fruit taste, you know, less real and, okay. and, and sharpens the, the ethanol. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So there well, you go. Can't say I'll ever find uh, out. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we'll wrap it up, shall we? Shall we? Thank you very much to uh, Cryomalt, to Burkett, uh, to Relling's Labels, Stickers and Packaging, and to Thirsty Merchants who have uh, looked after us for the bar blades and the, the T-shirts, which hopefully you'll all be getting soon, um, for making all this possible. Um, thanks very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. And thank you, Claire. Cheers, Pete. Big week planned or is it uh, what, what's going on? Anything happening up there? There's a um, couple of beer festivals and things going on on the weekend. I, uh, is it uh, Eat, uh, Eat, Eat, Hill. Yeah, Eat Hill Hotel, which is that's apparently a, a fairly big one? Yeah, that should be a big boy. I think that's on Saturday. And a shout out, a shout out to the um, uh, the Sunday Sesh guys who are doing. I think they're doing a live podcast from there. Oh, hey, okay. hey. I, I, I did see that. And, and um, <laughs> the beer awards, the the podcasting awards are back. So yeah, Aussie beer pods. Yeah, so Aussie beer pods. Yeah, we're gonna have to keep playing them. Because I did, I, I did love that Steve had sort of, you know, sent out a thing. Look, if you don't want to be part of it, because, you know, competition's bad and all that oh, sort of thing. I want to be part of it if we win. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Which, you know, as I said last year, love it, you know, you sort of... It's, uh, love it's it. pride now. Love it, competition. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it is a lot of fun. And uh, as I say, look, it worked really well, gave people a, a, a bit of interest in, in lockdown. Um, but uh, without lockdown now, hopefully it'll uh, um, still provide that the entertainment factor. Looking forward to it. Good luck to it. To you guys. Thanks very much. That'll do us for this week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. She's been Claire Boom Boom Burnett. And um, we'll see you all again for the next episode of Bruges News Week. Until next week, we are out. Boom. That wasn't even close. <laughs> she had to go. <laughs> oh, did she? Yeah. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. <laughs>